Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Welcome. I hope your year is off to an incredibly awesome start and that you're excited about all of the opportunities that exist for you here in the year 2020. I know that I am super excited myself. In today's episode, I want to share with you what I have found works best for me when it comes to growing my influence in the world. What I have done that I have found is in alignment with what I feel called to do and who I feel called to be in this world that has helped propel me and my business pursuits further than I could have ever imagined. Now, with that being said, I want to let you know that my approach to how I've gone about growing my business and my brand has not been maybe the method that could potentially reach as many people as 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 there is potential. So I, I what I'm saying is that I may have avoided reaching the potential audience that I could have reached if I would have gone about building my business and my brand in a different way. In fact, I think now that I'm processing this, I'm aware of some other other techniques, strategies, processes that friends of mine in the internet marketing space that they have used, that have demonstrated that it's possible for you to grow an audience or a community and reach hundreds of thousands of people who are eagerly waiting for your next email or hundreds of thousands of people who are ready for your next podcast episode, or hundreds of thousands of people who are eager for your next YouTube video. I don't have those things. And I'm okay with that. What I am very satisfied about is how I have gone about growing my business over the years. And I've not always been happy with how I've grown my business. There's been a number of times when I look at some of the success that I see other people having. And when I say the success that other people are having, I'm talking about in what is commonly seen as success, which is, you know, the the plaques on the back of the wall for YouTube people, you know, the ones who have had their 100,000 or 500,000 or their 1 million subscribers, you know, the plaques, the YouTube play button that's up on the wall behind them. I have many friends who have those plaques. I have no such plaque. That's okay. Today, I'm, I'm convinced it's okay. 
Of course, there's the friends of mine who are always in the top 10 of iTunes in the business category. I don't happen to be there. And that's okay. I could be there if I if I went according to some of those other techniques and practices and strategies. But here's what I have found in my pursuit of not feeling like I've done enough and that I should probably do more and I want to reach more people and I want to achieve greater success in the number of people that I reach and impact and influence in the world and, and stuff like that. Up until this point, I found it very challenging so far to go after those things without also trying to fill some sort of need for significance or some sort of inadequacy that I felt in my own life. It's, it's kind of like, man, it, I think my pursuit of that play button, my first 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, if I were to get that, I would, I would feel some sense of accomplishment that it would fill a hole that's inside of me. Or maybe if I could send an email and I and it reaches 100,000 people and, and I was able to do a internet marketing online course launch and, and, and after three or four weeks of putting a digital course together, I could then hit the launch button, maybe work really hard for two or three weeks, but have one of those multi-million dollar launches. I have very close personal friends who do that routinely. I have not done yet such a launch. And part of me in the past has said, man, you know what? I think I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to create that style of a launch. I'm going to go and implement those techniques and those strategies. But one thing that has happened so far in each of the times when I've gone to pursue that, I didn't do it with the same kind of clear conscience and pure motive of serving. They're always so far in the past has always been this, man, I feel, I feel like, man, I, not only do I want to do this because, uh, you know, I think I could serve more people, but there's always been, man, just look at all the passive income I would have. Just look at all the opportunities, you know, for monetization. Look, look at all the ways that I will be able to, other people will see the visible proof of how significant I am. And all this other crazy stuff has been tied up in those pursuits. I've never pursued those things. I, I actually, you know what? I'm not sure that I should use that language. I think I think I might be able to go back and say, well, you know, there have been some times when I did this with a pure motive, and and I did see increased success and stuff like that. But it seems like maybe I tend to, up until this point, I've tended to slip into doing it for the wrong reasons from time to time, and so ultimately, I default back to a strategy and a method that is clearly within my identity of who I am. And I'm not saying that I don't need to have a radical shift at some point in my identity and how I show up in the world. But up until this point, I've learned that my voice in the world is to show, you know what, you can have an incredible amount of impact and influence in the world. And you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of people Subscribe to your YouTube channel, to your podcast, to your mailing list, or anything else. You know, some of my favorite content that I've ever produced in the world, and I think the content that resonates with people the most, and the ones 
that I believe have done the most good residual all the way down through the people that I taught and then the people that I hear them saying the things they first heard from me, sharing that with their communities, and the ripple effects is where it's like, listen, don't use the language, I only have 100 downloads per episode. I only have 700 people on my mailing list. I only have... 5,000 or what What am I? I, I think I'm at 7,000 subscribers on my YouTube. I only have, I only, what if you only have 10 people? That's 10 people. That's 10 human beings. And who knows who those 10 human beings are? And so w- one of the episodes I created, I, I did a series of episodes. One of them was titled, You Only Need 1,000 True Fans, where I talked about an old article from like 2008 where you can make an incredible living with 1,000 true fans. And in that same podcast episode months ago when I talked about that, I talked about the fact that, you know what, you don't even need 1,000. You can do it with 100. You could have an incredible living with just 100 true fans. And then I even got a little bit more crazy about than that. And I said, you know what? You could actually have and create an incredible living. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about an amazing living with only 10 true fans. I mean, I've been dreaming, you know, what would life be like if I only worked with 10 clients who each paid $100,000 per year? I can tell you that's very possible. And so, you know, it's it's just these kind of things have been going through my mind. And the question is, is, well, wouldn't it be better, though, to work with hundreds of thousands of people downloading my, my content? I mean, it's so many more impressions. I'd reach so many more people. But the question is, is can I be convinced that my message being inside of 100,000 people's inbox can I be fully convinced that that is guaranteed to give me more impact and influence in the world than that same email landing in 10 people's inboxes? And I would argue for myself that it is possible that if I only had 10 people on my mailing list, that it is possible that I could send one email to those 10 people And let's just say only three of those 10 people even open up that email. And out of those three people, one person does something powerful with it. But who's to say that one person isn't somebody who has an audience in the hundreds of thousands? Or what if that person has an audience of 100 people and then they're inspired and they actually start creating content around that principle, that insight, and start sharing how that's been radically impacting their lives. And then all of a sudden, they're starting to tell people and mail people who actually have larger audiences. And then all of a sudden, there's this ripple effect. Now, does that mean that I get the credit for that ultimately? The question is, is that absolutely essential? That's what I have to ask myself. Is it essential that I get credit for all the impact and influence? And if it is essential, the question is why? And that brings me back to the question of how much am I I going after that is all about my own sense of significance, my own seeking significance? 
Now, if you listened to the episode right before this, I believe it was episode 629 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, I talked about the source of peace, love, abundance, and joy that I have. And I will tell you that in addition to having more peace, love, joy, and abundance in my life, outside of any external forces that it's all within, what I didn't say last in the last episode prior to this one was that I also have all of the significance I ever need. And it comes from within as well. For me, my sense of significance comes within my identity of who I am. And for me personally, I'm a child of God. I am one who was created with a purpose, on purpose, and that alone gives me all of the significance I need in this world. It doesn't matter to me if you are impressed by the number of people who are subscribed to my YouTube channel, my rankings in iTunes, my how many five-star reviews versus one-star reviews I have. None of that matters when it comes to my significance. And I can say that with certainty today because I've stopped seeking significance outside of what I know internally. That's what I'm trying to say. And because of that, I'm in a place where today I'm like, listen, I don't need to grow my band. I, I did a audio journal podcast episode recently. And for those of you who don't know, I have another podcast that I produce uh, a bit more frequently even than the Cliff Ravenscraft show. It's called The Audio Journal. You can find out more over at mindsetanswerman.com slash audio journal. Anyway, in that episode, I did an episode a couple weeks ago titled, I've never cared less about building my brand or something like that. It's, I'm just not concerned. I'm just not concerned right now about building my brand, becoming well-known, chasing fame. And it's not that those things aren't ever going to happen for me. In fact, I I still have a vision of the future that actually shows me, my, my vision is that one day I will stand on a stage in a stadium, tens of thousands of people, and yes, they came there to see me. Will it be my own event? Maybe, who knows? I just don't care about pursuing it anymore. And if it happens, it's gonna, be, it's gonna happen because it truly is meant to happen, not because I make it happen. And not because, and certainly not because I made it happen so that I can feel more significant one day when I finally achieve that goal. Anyway, where is all of this coming from? I felt compelled to record and share this episode with you after having a conversation with, I think I can pronounce her name correctly, it's Melina Benson, all right? So here's how this happened. A couple months ago, I got an email from my friend Phil Mershon. Phil Mershon is a a high-up person at Social Media Examiner. He's one of the guys who maintains all the awesome experience that you have at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, California, if you've ever attended. So Phil Mershon occasionally will jump on calls with people and interview attendees and ask them about their experiences, and he was having such a call. And on that call, he was talking to Melina, and Melina had told him about one of her favorite experiences at Social Media Marketing World. And she told him the story of how she attended my workshop. I did a 90-minute workshop on a mindset to achieve any goal. 
She attended my workshop and she came in and was sitting in the row and she told Phil and Marshawn, this guy, Cliff Ravenscraft, walked down the aisle and like in between the chairs all the way, like crawling through people's backpacks and everything just to shake my hand and and introduce himself and ask me, you know, all kinds of great questions about who I am, what I most hope to get out of the session. And he called me by name and, and just... It was incredible. I've just never felt so welcomed, and, and it's like, man, that and that set the tone for my conference experience. Now, as soon as she started speaking those things, he's like, "Hey, can I have permission to share that with Cliff?" And so she gave permission, and so therefore, the audio recording of that particular point of the conversation was shared with me. Phil said, "I thought you might want to hear this. This is an incredible testimonial, and I just want to let you know the impact you're having." And I said, that is so cool. And so I then went on Facebook looking for Melina and I'm like, hey, I want to send you a Facebook friend request. And I waited for her to accept it. I sent her a Facebook messenger. I said, hey, a little birdie told me that you were saying great things about me to Phil Marchand recently about your experience with social media marketing world. In fact, Phil shared with me the audio recording of the things that you said. And I just want to let you know, you made my day. It means a lot to me to know that I had that positive impact and influence on you and your conference experience in San Diego. So thank you so much. It means the world to me to know that people are out there saying great things about how I made them feel. It means it means a it means a lot to me. And then that began a conversation between myself and Melina. And she turns out I did some research on her as I was looking her up and I, I saw that she's does some coaching. I saw that she's writing a book and I started asking her questions, encouraging her. And she goes, Cliff, I'd love to interview you for my book. I don't have a podcast or anything like that, but I would love to jump on a Zoom call and interview you. I think I, I'd like to include something about you in my book. And I said, I'd be happy to. Here's a link to schedule a call with me. So we got on a Zoom call and she started asking me a couple questions. And I'm like, at the end of our conversation, I said, you know what? You just pulled out of me my most recent thoughts and feelings. Just that, that this is the this is where I am today on my mindset about how what I'm doing to intentionally build relationships with people. And my these are my current thoughts about what it means to scale up and and how do you reach more people and how do you grow this thing and i loved how i wasn't prepared for your questions because i didn't know them in advance but exactly word for word how i spoke the response to you i i love how that came out and i don't think i could recreate it in a podcast episode may i have your permission to share two different portions of our recording today and she says cliff feel free and so with that set up, I want to share with you here her first question and my response to it. I would love you to tell me a little bit, Emma, how do you build your community? What do you do on, on purpose to create those relationships? Okay. I can summarize it in one phrase. One person at a time. Hmm. Yeah, that's been my philosophy ever since I started. Uh, I one of the things that I do is I am very intentional about making sure that the person that is in front of me, whether that be physically or virtually, as far as I'm concerned, they're the only people that exist in my world at that moment in time. 
I do this at conferences. Uh, so there have been times when I'll go and speak at a conference. And after the event, I say, hey, I don't want to take up the room here for the next speaker and stuff like that, but I'm going to hang out in the hallway after this talk, and I will stay there until there's nobody else left to talk to or until they kick us out of the building if it, it gets that late. And so I'll go, and whoever is, I may have 25, 35, 45 people around, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm only interested in speaking to the one person that is directly in front of me. And I will talk to that person until they say, you know what, I think I should probably bow out here and let you talk to some of these other people. But as far as I'm concerned, that, that person is the person. And mm. this, much of this comes from my faith background. So I'm, I'm a Christian and I have a ministry background as well. So I used to be a pastor. I considered myself to still be in full-time ministry today. I don't minister for the purpose of profit, but I profit because of the ministry that I do. And that has everything to do with something that's called the theory of reciprocity. And reciprocity simply means that whatever you give, you are going to get back. That's both good and bad. If you punch somebody, chances are they're going to want to punch you back. <laughs> if you say something yeah. mean and nasty to somebody, they'll want to say something mean and it, it's just human nature. But also, if somebody gives you a gift and it's not your birthday, it's not a holiday, but if they give you a gift, whether you do it or not, you still have a desire somewhere within you to give a gift back. And that's yeah. that's reciprocity and what and I don't I don't ever consciously try to use that as a marketing effort, but it's been the marketing efforts that have allowed me to grow to where I am today. I, I simply pour into people. I, I listen to people. I love people. I serve people. And when you do that, which by the way, just as an aside, it's not normal, uh, that way of investing in people. It, it's not the typical way things are done. And so when you do that, it catches people off guard. They're not used to being heard. They're not used to being noticed. They're not used to being valued. They're not used to feeling worthy of someone's undivided attention. And when you give that to them, it's a gift. And it changes something inside of them. And it, they, they feel it at a heart level. And... That's where my intention of doing it ends. I just want to go around giving people gifts all day long. I get fulfillment by knowing that I was a part of somebody's life, that I made somebody's life better today. That, that is payment enough for me. But what I learned is that I do that enough and ultimately there's going to be a 100% of the people that I serve in that way will have some sort of desire to give value back to me. Not everybody will follow through on that desire, and not everybody has the resources to add value in a tangible way. But there's always a percentage of people who will go out of their way, no matter what, even un seemingly with an, uh, in their mind a lack of resources, but they'll go out of their way and they'll say tons of great things about you. They'll look for ways to benefit you. They'll either try to find ways to buy your products or services or recommend other people to your products or services or just tell other people that they, you need to know who this guy is. And so that's how I've built my business. One person at a time. Yeah. 
you're you're speaking my language. <laughs> this is exactly what the book is about. And you you mentioned it's not normal. You said it's not normal. People are not used to being paid attention to. Yeah. How? Who who does this? Are you alone on this? Oh. Oh no. <laughs> I I learned from somebody who inspired me in this area, Dan Miller. He's the author of the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And when I had the opportunity to meet him, I had a goal of meeting him. It's like, man, I I would love to meet Dan Miller. And my goal of meeting Dan Miller back in 2009 was very specific. It's like, listen, I don't want to just go to a conference and at the end of a talk be just one person in a line of people that gets five minutes of his time. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, he has no idea who I am from the sea of people that he shook hands with that afternoon. But I have a desire to to know him, to meet him, to actually tell him my story of how he's impacted my life. But more important than how my life was impacted, but if it weren't for him, I've been... I've had the opportunity to positively impact and influence the lives of thousands of people because of how he's inspired me to pursue the work I love versus staying comfortable in a day job in a family-run insurance agency for years. And then when I got the chance to meet him, I had never felt so worthy. Uh, uh, It's like I felt that I was the only person who existed in his world. He wasn't checking his watch or his email. He wasn't looking to see how much time is left before, you know, he's done with. It's like he he gave me his undivided attention, and then he invited me to come spend a, a weekend with him. It's like, hey, you know, I, I could use your help if you want to help me. I, I You know, it sounds to me like you, you'd love to hang out. I need somebody to help me upgrade the sound of my podcast. If you want to come down, you can stay in my guest bedroom, and we can hang out together. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How is this possible? <laughs> yeah. And and it's, it's Melina, that is what's happened for me is it's just... Those kind of people have done that for me. And I think it was Maya Angelou who was the person who was first known for this statement. People won't remember you for all the things you accomplished. They won't remember you for all of the fancy things that you did. They won't remember all the material possessions that you owned or accumulated. After you die... The only thing people will remember is how you made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's who the original quote was from. Maya Angelou may have been that. But I heard it from my friend David Foster, who actually passed away several years ago. But I got to tell you, he is another man who made me feel like I, I was the only person in his world. And when I went to his memorial service... I was beyond blown away. I had no idea just how large of an impact and influence that man had in the world. There were people, so he lived in the Nashville area, Franklin, Tennessee, and you may or may not know that Nashville, Tennessee is like a lot of celebrities live there. And there were celebrities up on the platform talking about how David Foster made them feel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been, I I spent hours, he spent hours talking to me for months, all the way up until the time when he died. It just like, 
how does anybody have that much time to devote to me? Especially when it seems like that's how he treated all these other people, these hundreds and hundreds of other people at this moment. How is this possible? So to answer your question, Melina, am, am I alone in this? No. There, there's, a, there's a powerful number of people out there who have discovered the value of one the, the, of building relationships and investing in people and serving people at a deep level one person at a time. Yeah. yeah I can totally relate to that. Totally. One of the things that I spend a little time thinking about is how do you then scale? How do you scale? You, you just mentioned it. How do you have all that time for each person and how can you then scale? What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to attribute another quote. It's, this is from an American pastor in Georgia. His name is Andy Stanley. And he is the pastor of one of the largest churches, at least on the East Coast anyway, I'm pretty sure. And he has this congregation with many thousands upon thousands and thousands of members. And he's the head pastor of the church. And so the question is, you know, he obviously has a desire to serve people and he values every human being equally, that kind of deal, right? And they ask him, how do you, how do you scale this, this way of serving people? And this is the phrase, and I've totally adopted this in my life. I do for some what I wish I could do for everyone. Uh, I've heard that. I do for yeah. some what I wish I could do for everyone. And I try to implement that on a daily basis. I try to randomly just select a few people throughout my day to give them my undivided attention, to hear them, to know them, to invest something of me in them in a powerful way, most of the time without even thinking consciously, will I ever get anything like a return on this investment? I, I, I'm not saying that never happens. I'm human and I have a business, right? So, but, but for the most part, I'm always looking, who can I serve today where they will be the few that I do for them what I wish I could do for everyone? And I've come to realize I can't serve everyone. I can't reply to every social media comment and post and I can't, re I can't read and write three to five or 10 paragraphs responses to everyone's email that emails me. So I do for some what I wish I could do for everyone, but the ones that are those that I am doing for, I, they are at that moment in time, the only people that exist in my world. All right, so that's the first question or line of questions and conversation that we had that I wanted to share with you in this podcast episode. And we had a little bit more conversation before this next clip I want to share with you, but she ultimately got around to asking this question. She goes, well, what about scalability and passive income? You know, that kind of thing. Obviously, at this point, you know, from 2008 all the way down to 2020, you've, got, you've had to have built and scaled this thing to the place where you've got some passive income kind of stuff happening, right? Where you're making money while you sleep, you get the marketing funnels turned on and all this other stuff. And by the way, she didn't ask it in that way. In fact, I'm going to let you know how she asked the question and my response to scaling my business here. Some kind of a product that is scalable. Do you have that in your business? I have had that in my business. I have 
shifted back and forth from the scalable, more passive income pursuits and the one-on-one pursuits. And I don't think there's any one right way to build a business. Uh, And I go through seasons of my life where I prefer one style of work over another. Mm. I've had online courses over the years, digital one-off courses, and I still uh, occasionally will see some revenue come in from those things that are offered. Then I got to the place where, for me, I had this vision of of the future where I would be speaking at, at stadium events and maybe even hosting my own stadium event where tens of thousands of people came to a, a stadium and they actually came there to hear me speak. And I fought against the strength. I was like, who am I? I mean, how egotistical <laughs> could I possibly be? And then eventually I'm like, well, why not me? I mean, there's other people who do this. Why not me? And then it's like, is this of me? Is it from me? Do I want this? And went back and forth. And finally, I started talking about it publicly. And I I didn't have an exact count of this. But the first 100 people or so that I told this to, all of them said, I totally see that. I, I I will buy a ticket to your first thing. And I'm like... Well, I guess I should just start talking about this publicly because so far the first 100 people said that they would come. I just need 49,900 more to people to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I started talking about it. And then all of a sudden I started, to, I, I not only, it was no longer a vision of what might be a part of my future, but somewhere along the way it shifted into a goal. It shifted into a desire to make it happen, to actually fulfill it myself. Not that it's just going to naturally, organically grow. I'm going to go after this with everything. And and I don't regret that I did that, but because some wonderful things came out of it, I actually started hosting some small uh, workshops in a studio space that I have here in my home that I built called the Next Level Studio. And I had, you know, 12, 14 people at a time travel from all over the world to be trained in a workshop here. And then once I was able to successfully sell those workshops out time and time again, I moved up to a conference called Free the Dream Conference. And my goal was to get that to 300 people right out of the gate. And I didn't succeed in getting 300, but I I got 87 people the first year. That's pretty incredible. I had people from all over the world come to that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do this again in 2019, and I'm going to shoot for 300 people again. Well, about two months before that event, I realized this is not the right path for me to scale my business. This is actually costing me, and it's causing me to promote and market things in a way that's not in alignment with what my current identity is. I'm not saying that I won't shift my mindset and beliefs about how I should go about marketing my business in the future, but right now, I don't want to market this way. I don't want to use internet marketing tactics to grow my business the way that I've been trying to implement, and the only way I can see right now for me to attain my goal of 300 people is if I fully adopt the funnel system. And... And I just, it's like, okay, not right now. That's not what I want. And so about two months before Free the Dream 2019, I stopped all marketing. And I went I went back to what I, it's like, listen, I want to go back to investing in 24 human beings as my clients through two different mastermind groups I have called the Next Level Mastermind. And I want to go deep there. 
I'm not worrying about scaling up. I have a vision still today of me speaking at stadium events. I do believe it's possible that it could be my own event that has tens of thousands of people. I don't care if it ever happens or not. But I can tell you right now at this point, I don't feel any I don't feel any pressure to make it happen. I it's like that's not what that's not in alignment with my current view of who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. And so I'm not worried about scaling my business. I'm not worried about passive income. I'm about worried I I'm I'm not worried about anything, but what I am intentionally focused on is going much deeper with the people who are currently in my life. Going back to what I got, how this all got started in your first question, one person at a time. Yeah. Was there some kind of value conflict in there? Why, why did you feel that hesitation towards the marketing part of it? My mission statement is something, I'm just going to paraphrase my mission. I, my mission in this world is to create content, products, and services that's entertaining, educational, encouraging, and inspirational. To take the things that I'm learning and experiencing in life, my successes and my failures, and sharing that with people in such a way that they will be able to avoid much of the same mistakes that I have, eliminate the limiting beliefs that I've been able to eliminate so that they could all, so we can all take our lives to the next level and live the life for our, either live the life according to our dreams or to live our lives according to the, the, the lives that we were created to live. There's a faith-based version and a non-faith-based version. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to help people get what they want in life regardless of where they sense that, that that desire comes from. And that's who I am. But here's what happened for me, the way that I was approaching this aggressive marketing campaign to grow my reach of the number of people who would attend a conference, I began to do tons and tons of content marketing where pretty much every time I created a piece of content, I was... How can I use this message to persuade someone to buy a ticket to my conference? Mm. And there was something inside of that that didn't sit well with me. Not that there's, again, not that I actually believe that that's wrong because I believe in my conference. I do. But there's something about the fact that I lost the original reason why I felt called to create content in the first place, which is just to encourage and inspire people. Not with the, not with the, what am I going to get in return? And, and, and part of me is, man, this will help me. It's number one, financially, it will help me in my business. And again, I I'm in business for profit, so I have no problems with that. But where, where I finally realized is that I didn't realize that I had slipped back into a life of where each person who said yes, and if I reach my goal of 300 this year, and I then reach my goal of 600 the next year, and I reach my goal of doubling it every year after that, boy, how number one, how significant will I feel if I do that? But even, and I did not, I was not consciously aware but even more important un- subconsciously for me was, boy, how significant will other people see how I am? And like, man, that is not who I am. My significance in this world does not depend on what other people think about me. 
but it had become that way. And that was actually causing a lot of internal conflict. It's like, wow, I'm doing too much to impress people. And so I backed off. I, I stopped marketing that conference. I went back to what I knew was a part of who I am. And I even took some time off of creating content on a consistent basis just to go to the other extreme for a little while. And then I'm slowly bouncing back and I'm back to creating content for the right reasons, I think. I think. And of course, that has positive marketing impact for my business, but that's not why I'm doing it. And not to say that I won't create things to market and promote products and services I have, I will, but I think when I actually go back to doing those things, when I start putting calls to actions back into the content and other stuff that I create in this world, it will be free of the attachment to, I really need you to buy something from me or to to respond to my call to action so that I will feel good about who I am. And that's gone. That's I, I be, I'd like to say that, well, I will say it has been eliminated right now. And I'd like to say that I've mastered that. All right, so yeah. I just wanted to be able to share those thoughts with you. I shared that in my interview with Melina. And uh, oh, by the way, real quickly, let me just play this for you real quick. I asked her to share her name and the name of her book and where you can find it uh, so that you are aware of that. Let me go ahead and give her that plug right here. I am Marlene Benson, and my book is called Marketing Make Human, and it will be published on Amazon February 15th. just want to say thank you for tuning into the Cliff Raven Scraft Show. I want you to know that I take the fact that you are still subscribed to this podcast very seriously. I do appreciate you sincerely, and I wish you great success in going after the life you feel called to live in 2020. With that, my friend, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and